We have some oat milk in the fridge. How is oat milk? I haven't. It's tried good. It. it it tastes like the milk in your cereal bowl after you've eaten your cereal. I mean, that's like the best kind of milk. That right? is the best milk. The only reason why I eat cereal. everyone and welcome to let's pod this my name is andy moore i'm joined as i am every week on this fair program by two wonderful people bailey perkins hello hello andy and scott melson how are you man i'm feeling uh i'm feeling very safe very measured and very data driven today you are feeling snarky i feel like those are (laughs) direct attacks at our commentary on the state of COVID in Oklahoma. No, that's not a thing I would do. Not good. That's the state. The, the state of our state is not well. No, man, it's it's safe, measured, and responsible, and data driven. That's how I feel today. Well, I'm feeling black. So happy <laughs> Juneteenth. Thank you. Happy <laughs> Thank Juneteenth. Really. Happy <laughs> Juneteenth. That's right. So today is. Uh, excuse me, June 19th that we're recording this. It is Juneteenth, which it I, I think this is exciting, Bailey. I, I think you do too, based on what you just said. Um, a quick scroll of social media today. It looks like the whole world woke up and was like, oh, hey, this is a real holiday. And I have seen and received emails from not like every pizza joint and stuff uh, yet, but a ton of Businesses are closed today. A bunch of folks are starting to recognize Juneteenth as a holiday. And contrary to popular belief, people found out about it before President Trump tweeted about it. So, <laughs> you mean he 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 didn't make it very famous? <laughs> he did not make it very famous. There are, there are a few of us who knew about it. So. Right. <laughs> it's it's been a state holiday, a a statutory state holiday in the state of Texas since 1980. So it's been almost, uh, it has been 40 years. Whoa. And rightfully so. The weather is here. It is thundering today. Yeah. Um, Well, and the roots of Juneteenth, for those who are listening who don't know, um, derive from Texas. Um, A union general came down in 1965 to Galveston, Texas, because they finally had uh, the manpower to be able to tell Texans uh, the Emancipation Proclamation uh, was put into place two and a half years ago, and those who are enslaved now need to be free. And so um, it, for a lot of people, it marks an official end to slavery because there were folks enslaved in Texas two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was put into place. So, Which is, I mean, just bananas. And I mean, definitely like, adds insult to injury. Can you imagine being a slave then and finding out you're free, which is huge. And then kind of calculating being like, well, I've been free for two years. Like what the hell is going on? Well, I mean, on a personal, like I mentioned last week, like my great, great grandfather, my great, great, great grandfather was free because of the emancipation. Well, because of um, the union general and union soldiers telling Texas, listen, you need to do this. Um, so it's, it's really special for a lot of people who may have descendancies of those who were enslaved in Texas, um, like me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, uh, Dave Chappelle has a new little 30-minute special thing. I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but he's... I did watch it, yeah. It's a relatively new... I mean, it's since since uh, the murder of George Floyd. So he's talking about race. It's not really a comedy bit. I mean, he makes a few jokes because he's a comedian, but it's really his kind of response, and it's pretty interesting. But he mentions that he's the... Not the grand... I think great his great-grandfather was a slave, um, and that connection... Um, and I think, I think that's an important history. I think I said this last week to you, Bailey, right? Like for most people I know, right? Like most white people know slavery happened, but they don't feel like they know any slaves. Like that's a long time ago. And as we talked about last week and again today, recognizing that that is a much closer to where we are now, right? That, um, that, that is the case. Like that's how most black people arrived in America was because their ancestors were stolen from their homes and enslaved and brought over here. And so I think that makes it, I don't know, it feels more salient and like hits in a different way. And that's clearly what America needs, right? Is to be hit in a different way. Absolutely. I um, was, you know, preparing for the episode. And so kind of refreshing on the history of Juneteenth. And um, one thing I've seen on social media a lot this last week or so is people asking like, okay, wait, this is a holiday. I didn't know about it. Why didn't I know about it? And also, now that I know, why is there a two-year gap in there from when the Emancipation Proclamation was read on January 1st, 1863, until they came in June of, of 65? And what you said, Bailey, is right. Like, there's, there's a few, maybe not rumors, but possible explanations for the delay. One is that the union army and even just some, you know, like white soldiers and folks in Texas were going to allow this. That feels like a weird word, but basically force the slaves to work one more cotton season so that the plantation owners would have that labor there for one more year. So they didn't, they didn't do it until after the 19 or the 1864 cotton season. Uh, another explanation is that the Union Army didn't have enough soldiers to make it all the way to Texas until General Granger brought them down. Um, that's possible. And then certainly there's just the the kind of latent explanation that folks in Texas didn't want to do it. And as we all know, Texas has a unique history with the United States where they're not they're the only state that joined the Union under a like compact under an agreement, not by being um, kind of brought in the way other states were. And so I could see where the state was just like, nah, we're just not going to listen to you for a while until they felt like they had to. So some combination of that, it could be any of those, could be all of those, is why there was a big delay um, before this. And it's also rumored that there were attempts to do it. Mm -hmm. And people were assaulted <laughs> right yeah yeah so the word couldn't get there so yeah. even when there were attempts like messengers um, were killed yeah yeah the messengers were killed like texas did not want to free the slaves it was you're gonna have to force me to do it so yeah. um it's it's a part of our history that we have to be reminded of that like um many of the freedoms we experience, but also the things that we have so far to go into, you know, tie back to 
these histories. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. And um, yeah. When I worked for the state of Texas uh, uh, 10 years ago or so, it was really interesting because Texas has a bunch of state holidays that are not federally recognized holidays, but as state employees, we got off. And so Juneteenth was one of those. Um, but also, so was LBJ's birthday. And I was like, that feels that weird. That sounds very Texas. Yeah. So. Um, and I imagine someday, you know, that George W. Bush's birthday might be one as well. I don't know that he had the same contribution to our history as LBJ, but there's that. But then also, I didn't I didn't work there in January. In, January, but in researching for today's episode, I discovered that um, what they call Confederate Heroes Day is, or Confederate Memorial Day, is a state holiday, and it is in it's celebrated in a bunch of southern states, um, but on different days. And in Texas, it's January nineteenth, which is the day before Martin Luther King Day, and I was like, holy crap! Like, okay, and I, I tweeted about this. I was like, for one, Oklahoma, like we need to get on the stick and make Juneteenth a a state-recognized holiday here. Like we could do that next session, get that knocked out. Also, Texas needs to get the other one off the books. Like that has no business being a, a state holiday. Well, with Arkansas, they have Robert E. Lee Day and Martin Luther King Day at the same time. Yeah. And so there's been ongoing pushes to separate those two holidays at the very least. And there's folks who are even pushing to not recognize it at all. And it's it's it's, it's, it's baffling that like you have the cognitive dissonance of, you know, we want to celebrate, you know, this part of, you know, heritage, but then we want to hold on to um, some of the most awful parts of um, right. what people call heritage. And so it's, it's, it's very strange. It's yeah. just, it's just really bizarre to me. Right. Like, I mean, obviously like you can't, you cannot, nor should you try like to separate from the Confederacy, like the fact that it was founded to try and protect slavery. Right. Like that's like the reason for the, its existence. But then this like, that like again and you can't set that aside but like the veneration of these people even apart from that right like england doesn't have a george washington day right like or like a right, right? like they committed treason right like they were <laughs> traitors right? right the right i i like it's and there are people who a, love this country right but it's still a, carry around the flag of the the Confederacy, like it's Confederacy a, that was defeated by America, right? Right, like it's or a, the it a so. capital crime. I'm, I think, I think that treason is like the one crime that's spelled out in the Constitution as like being a capital offense, right? Like, 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 and then yeah, and then all these people that like go on about patriotism and yet they venerate like these guys that were traitors to their country, and not only were they traitors to their country, but they were traitors to their country for this like awful cause um and it's like the conversation i saw yesterday on twitter about renaming military bases that are currently named after confederate soldiers or generals or whatever and people are like oh it's you know again erasing our history and i use the example that many others have it's not like germany's got adolf hitler air force base floating around right like 
just because it happened doesn't mean you have to name something after the person, right? Like that means when you commemorate, that means you celebrate. That means you're celebrating the people that you're naming something after. So you're not even teaching people, you know, the full history of the role they played in what made them part of history. You're just saying that they're worth noting and commemorating. So it's not even teaching people about history. It's truly celebrating some racist, vile folks who were part of black destruction. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's the, the cognitive dissonance is real. It really well, is. And I mean, it's not like anyone's proposing naming a Robert E. Lee Memorial landfill or anything that at least would be a little closer to the sentiment, right? <laughs> Well, and I think part of it is people are like, well, it's okay because it was so long ago. But like, as we've already established, it wasn't that long ago. Right. Right. Right? Like, like we're like, (laughs) and it's not okay. We're only a few generate. Right. I mean, it wouldn't even, I mean, it was a thousand years ago. It still wouldn't be okay. Right. But like, we're like four generations removed. Right. So, so one, it's like just wrong at every like moral level Two, it's treason. Three, it's not that long ago. It's, there's no, there's it like the justification doesn't hold water at like any level. No. Cause when you think about even like the Tulsa race massacre, like people have recently passed away within the past few years who were survivors mm-hmm. of that massacre. Mm-hmm. Like we're not talking about some random, I mean, it's to the point where, there are people who couldn't talk about it for a long time, right? Because there's that much trauma put into the community for these situations. I mean, there's so many um, stories like Tulsa that have happened all over the country. I read uh, one of my friends posted about um, there are 69 school age um, men. I think they were like high school students and their area was burned. So all of them died in that. And that happened in Arkansas, right? Like these are real stories that happened by people that we want to commemorate and like name buildings after. They were at least part of those institutions that were um, committing these heinous crimes, right? Right. I mean, hell, Alfalfa Bill Murray, right? Like they just, you know, they just took, OSU just took Bill Murray's name off of a building today and right? it, yes yes right and we still have alfalfa county and we still have murray county and we still have lake murray he's got two and counties we still have, and we still lake. have murray state murray state college right for this guy that was i mean i didn't know him but seems like he was a pretty like shit human being um the first well. law in oklahoma's books was slate <laughs> like not slavery was segregation right like like this is the legacy this man has has created and we want to uphold that by naming and continuing to name buildings after him. So I'm I'm excited to see uh, this movement of, of changing what we've normalized. And it's, it's making some people mad, but I think it's really hitting home the fabric of how entrenched racism is in everything that we do because I hear all the time everything's not about race but it is and now you're seeing it firsthand with all of these changes that are happening because it's become so um invisible in our day-to-day that like it's it's 
overwhelming for people to see that like how entrenched it is right so mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's truly an awakening and i hope that like um folks who don't get it will soon get it because <laughs> they're going to yeah. have to get it because these changes are going to continue happening so. right it's it's not like we have a a lack of good if i mean legitimately excellent people to name things after right like we named it after this guy whenever way back and uh you know we can change things right like god gave us erasers and chisels like we <laughs> doesn't have to be that way forever just because it is i you know i'm always an opponent to the phrase that we've always done it that way um well let's let's look at what's the best thing to do the best way to do it not just how have we always done it because right. if that's the case like we'd still be riding horses or something you know like there's lots of better ways to do things like andy margo needs to see something different yeah when you take her around when she grows up, you should be able to point to a building, a structure, um, something around her and be able to proudly communicate why this thing exists or why it's commemorated in the way that it is. Yeah. And there are places where um, you may have to have a hard history lesson for her, right? And that's not okay. And most people aren't having the hard conversations when they see these Confederate monuments. That's just not what's happening. They're not educating them about what the Confederacy did to black folks. <laughs> so. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was talking with Ashley the other day about like, I remember, like, I remember this book that I read in like fifth or sixth grade or something. And it was like, it was a, like a ghost story book about like, a civil war battlefield or something. But like, I was thinking about it and like remembering back and like, this was a freaking children's book that was Confederate propaganda that was talking about like, like, Oh, you don't call it the civil war. You call it the war between the States. And it really didn't have anything to do with slavery. It was really about like States rights. It was real. And like, I was in fifth it grade. It reinforces belief systems. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. And it's like, this garbage is everywhere. Yes. It is everywhere. So. I, it is really fascinating being a parent in these times. And um, Bailey, I know that your um, partner has a daughter, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you have some of the same exposure and Scott's a pediatrician. So he gets it probably in huge doses, but um, like talking with my kids about this as they're experiencing it in real time in whatever, you know, through the lens that we, try to give them, which is not to hide it from them, but to talk, you know, talk through it. And, but to have them be children and their experience in the world and like trying to match that up with like what's going on in like the adult realm. And they're just like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? <laughs> like, why is that the case? And so when we, you know, we've got uh, books about Martin Luther King and Frederick Douglass and like, you know, black heroes as well as, I don't know. I guess we've got some white hero ones too, but like try to have a, a diverse bookshelf for the kiddos. Right. Yes. And, um, and they don't see it as a diverse bookshelf. They see it as a bookshelf. Right. And so when I like try to like talk to them about it, they're always like, yeah, I, I don't understand why this is an issue. And I was like, thank God. Like, because yeah. it is, you will encounter it. I am preparing you now for what will happen 
all too soon, right? When yeah. that other kid makes a comment and makes a joke and you feel like you're supposed to laugh at it. You don't have to. You can say, that's wrong. That's racist. Don't make those jokes, right? Like, um, and I wish that I had had more of that when I was a kid. Yeah. Because you know? it's so important to change the norms and the, and the culture and um, the things that we do on a day-to-day. It, it's things as small as like not laughing at a racist joke you know, right. move this forward. So absolutely. Right. I, a, a quick aside and we can move on to our next topic, but yeah. um, it's not about race, but it's about cruel jokes. I remember in eighth grade in my English class, we had a, uh, a unit on Helen Keller and my teacher who was a nice lady, but she started off the unit by saying, okay, go ahead and get them out. And we were like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I know some of you know some Helen Keller jokes let's go ahead and get him out of the way. So we're not whispering about him the whole unit. And we're all like, what are you talking about? So of course one kid knew all these jokes and she let him tell him to the whole class. And like, they were forever burned in my mind. And even then I was like, this seems not okay. Right. But when you're like 14 or 13, what do you, you know, you're not like, ah, so as opposed yeah. to you shouldn't tell these kinds of jokes right. because they're horrible and offensive. Instead it's okay. Well, tell them now. In a sense, right, right, right. Yeah. And, I was, and, and not I, put it in the context of why <laughs> this is awful. Like, if if he had just told him, he would have gone to the principal's office, like in any other class, kind of thing. And I remember, like, just coming home and talking to my mom about it, and being like, "So, Some in crazy English, shit just happened in English." Yeah, in English, she let Ryan tell of his jokes, and like, I don't know, and you know, my mom was like, "That's weird," or you know, like, "Not okay," and I was like. Yeah, but it has haunted me ever, you know, yeah. 35 years later, however, 25 years later. All right. Um, well, speaking of history defining things. Or speaking of horrible things that are everywhere. Uh, <laughs> both. Coronavirus. Both coronavirus. <laughs> and and uh, a, a giant rally in Tulsa. Um, so as I'm sure most of our listeners know, Tomorrow, June 20th, will be a uh, campaign rally for President Donald Trump in Tulsa at the BOK Center. This is his first rally since coronavirus gripped our nation. It is, I think, uh, the largest event of its of any kind in America since the lockdown started in mid-March, right? Like, we've canceled all public sporting events. All that stuff has been has stopped. This is really the first big thing. And up until now, big things have been like well-attended funerals, right? And like busy bars. And Scott, how is that working out for us so far? Huh. So, <laughs> God, it's, um, I was, I was, you know. In it's preparing. not, that's the answer. It's not working. <laughs> right. In preparing for, in preparing for, uh, for the pod today, I was trying to think how to like couch this because I think, I think that it's really easy to like, you know, fire off a tweet about like, this is a disaster and incompetence and like terrible. And Oh my God, what's, what's up? Like that's really easy to do and not entirely inappropriate, <laughs> honestly, but I do think it's important. I think to try and put some nuance onto this a little bit. And I think, um, I think if you listen to the show, you probably want to hear a little bit more nuance. So here's my, my take for what it's worth. So 
you know, we had 300, what, 352, I think, new cases today, 450 new cases yesterday. Our seven-day average is up to 265. It was previously 175, like, three days ago. Hospitalizations are starting to trend up, though not nearly as dramatically. Um, so I, I think it's, it's clear that we are in a second spike, which we had alluded to the last couple of weeks, um, even though the numbers were not quite this dramatic. Um, there are a couple of things, though, that make this... Um, you know, I've heard some people say like we're we're right back, and I've I've been guilty of this too, right? Like we're right back where we were two months ago, but that's not that's not really true, right? So one, as I think we talked about last week, you, to compare testing now and like positive tests now to positive tests at the beginning of the outbreak is is a little bit of apples to oranges, because we are in fact testing so much more now, right? So as I didn't go back and calculate this because I didn't I didn't have time today, but as I recall. When we first started seeing, you know, case counts of 150, 175, 200 a day at the beginning of the outbreak, we were having a test positivity rate, meaning the percent of tests that were positive was up like 10, 12% at the beginning, which is really high, like high enough that, you know, if you ask an epidemiologist, they would say, okay, we know that we know that doesn't represent the true prevalence of disease. That means that like one, we're having a positive bias in whom we're testing. We're testing people that we think are very likely to have the disease. And so we're, that's being confirmed a high percentage of the time. Um, whereas I think yesterday, our positivity rate was up to about 4% where it had been below two, right? So we're getting drastically higher numbers of positive tests with a significantly lower positivity rate that's because we're testing a lot more people, right? So you can't look at the 365 today and 450 yesterday and compare that to the 200 a day at the beginning of the outbreak and say, oh, well, this means that now it's twice as bad as it was, right? It really is just a reflection of the fact that we weren't testing enough at the beginning and our numbers then were, were certainly pretty dramatically underestimated, right? So that's that's the first thing, the first kind of bit of context. The second bit of context is it is true um, that hospitalizations at this point have not increased at the same rate or to the same level as positive tests. Now, hospitalizations are one, a lagging indicator, right? So that's the first thing. So we won't know about hospitalizations from numbers we're seeing of the past couple of days till probably a week from now. So that's, you know, it's a lagging indicator to be sure. However, we have now seen, I think, a fairly, before the last, before the big spike the last couple of days, we've seen a fairly steady increase um, in positive test results for about the last week to 10 days. And the hospitalizations, while they're starting to trend up, have not gone up at the same rate. One of the reasons for that appears to be that a large proportion of these new infections are folks that are younger, specifically in the 18 to 35 year old demographic. There's been a lot of buzz about this on social media that, okay, well, this, this kind of spike is okay because it's young people. And there's been some pushback on that, that like, well, young people can still spread it to older people and young people can still get sick, so it's not okay. And I would actually say that the correct answer is yes. Like both of those are true, right? right. I, think, I think it is at once 100% true that all these folks that are 25, 26, 28, 30, 31, 32, they can 100% get this and spread it to multiple people. And in fact, you could make the case that they're more likely to do that because they don't get as sick, right? And they move around a lot more. Right. So that's, that's, that is 100% true. And, and so it's not like, oh, this is not a big deal because it is young people. However, 
The other thing that is also true is that by and large, young people seem not to get as sick with this disease. They don't need to be hospitalized as often. Um, and they don't need certainly to be in the ICU and ventilated as often. It can 100% still happen. So don't think if you're 30, you should just go have like a Corona party with a bunch of your friends and get it because you could wind up on a ventilator. And you mean I can't you know, go to the bar? <laughs> right. Like you can wind up on a ventilator. You can have a stroke. You can have some combination of both of those things. Like you don't want this thing. But most people who are in a younger demographic who get this seem to do pretty well and don't require advanced medical attention. That matters because we, the one of the big concerns, you guys will remember a couple of months ago, even though a couple of months ago feels like it was 10 years ago, one of the big concerns when this first started happening was overwhelming the healthcare system, right? right. And that is, that is less likely to happen with a surge in cases of people that are 18 to 35 than a surge in cases of people that are 60 to 75 or even 50 to 65, right? So, so it's, it's not like we're, this is not a good situation at all, right? Like we need, we need to get a handle on it, but it's also like, you know, I think that there's probably still some time that we could, we could take some steps to keep this from getting worse. We've also in the last two months, I think our hospitals have done a good job of, you know, um, stockpiling testing kits, stockpiling PPE, developing plans for surge capacity. Um, so, I think we are more prepared to handle a spike than we were at the beginning when this kind of came and, you know, bit us on the ass. Right. Um, however, in my opinion, we should still be taking pretty strong steps to make sure that we nip this in the bud where it is. Um, Cause the goal is not to have a prepared healthcare system to address a massive need. Right. right. Like that's right. not the goal. Like, right. and it's, Hopefully, what happens tomorrow won't trigger that need in the next few weeks. Right. And that's the thing, right? That's the other that's the huge X factor, right? Is we're going to have something happen tomorrow that hasn't happened to my knowledge. I mean, I, I can't say it hasn't happened anywhere in the world because I think, you know, Andy and I were talking the other day. I guess there have been some countries that have kind of continued to have like you know, soccer games and things. Um, but certainly in the United States, there has not been a gathering like this since coronavirus started. And so tomorrow we're going to take 20,000 people or 40,000 people and pack them into a couple indoor arenas. And I would bet from you all over those the people country. from not all even, over the country. And I bet a bunch of people, yeah, they're not going to have masks. You know, a lot of them I think are probably not going to wear masks. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe footage of the rally tomorrow will show uh, 20,000 people with masks and face covers. And if that happens, um, then power to those people i guess <laughs> like uh, i saw a video or a photo of a little kid dressed like donald trump selling face masks with little american flags all over him so someone's capitalizing on the need for yeah. masks and and again you know even if you could say that every single person was going to be wearing a mask and putting the hand sanitizer on i probably still wouldn't go but like i think that that definitely like that definitely does bring the risk down cuz you're definitely not social uh, distancing Right. No. Well, and that's so they're opening the doors way early, right? Like people have been in line already. Supposedly they got sent home last night by the police with the curfew situation, but they're back today. And so they're going to open the doors like six hours ahead of time or something. And they're going to be in there and it's like a four hour deal. And there's 19,000 seats in the Bank of Oklahoma Center. And then there's a convention center across the street that they're going to use and it holds several thousand i've heard forty thousand. i've heard nine thousand. 
I don't know what the answer is, but multiple thousands more. And you're going to have all those people together. And if you yeah, crammed in, um, talking, breathing on each other, chanting, chanting, singing, singing, right. Uh, there's some tambourines involved perhaps. And anyway, so yeah, potential for spread. So Scott, you and I were kind of estimating based on the numbers from like a week ago, which were much lower, uh, like out of, out of 19,000 people, right. There's likely a couple hundred that are infected at any given time. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into this, but like, are you doing math right now? Yeah. So, I mean, like if there's, you know, if there's 19,000 people in the arena, right. And like our positivity rate is about 4%. So let's say, let's say that that's still an overestimate and the actual prevalence is about 2%. So we're going to say that like if 2% of people go into this tomorrow, have it, that means 380 people with coronavirus are going to go to this right now. If each of those 380 people, if they infect even just like two others, right? That I mean, doubles. yeah. Well, that's right? then that's uh, almost 800 infections from this one event, right? right? And we will see that in the data in about two weeks. So, right. just as a reminder, it's not going to show up on Monday, right? People may get tested, but I don't know how, do we even know how long it takes before it shows up in the tests? Um, so that's a really an excellent question. I will tell you that I'm advising patients who are asymptomatic, mm-hmm. but worried that they have an exposure or have had a known exposure. I'm advising them to get tested about four to five days sooner if they develop symptoms. But if they have been, if they were exposed, if their exposure was four to five days previous mm-hmm. and they have not developed symptoms, that's when I advise them to get a test because the mean onset of symptoms is about four to five days. I should say the median onset of symptoms is about four to five days. So right. the five day mark, if you have an exposure and you have not developed symptoms, that's when I advise people to get tested. Certainly if you develop symptoms, you should get tested when you develop symptoms. So so we might see by the middle of next week, some of the first symptomatic people yeah. stumbling to get tested right right and then increasing over the following week week and a right. half right so and then be- you know assuming that they go to the health department to get their tests and i believe that's taking about a 48 to 72 48 to 72 hour turnaround right now so yeah you get five days you know five days median to develop symptoms you get tested on day five six day seven of you know what i mean your second or third day of symptoms that comes back three days after that. So now you're at day 10, 11, 12, and there you are, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. It, my sister got tested last week and they told her five to seven days, but I think she got results in three or four. Like, they're, t- they're telling people five to seven days, but I mean, I've been sending the, the vast majority of my patients who, you know, call and are like, I want to be tested or I need to be tested. I send to the health department to have it done and they're getting results in about 72 hours. And I'm sure that, that four to five day is to build in a buffer yeah, for slowdowns and to give you like as medical personnel, some time to respond to all these phone calls, knowing you get other stuff going on. Well, and in this conversation of COVID a day or two ago, Lincoln Riley announced that there were a few OU football players who were either exposed or tested positive for COVID. Really? Mm -hmm. And OSU's had several players test positive as well. The Philadelphia Phillies baseball team. There mm-hmm. were, uh, I think, eight positives at camp today. Who? Who? 
And baseball. Baseball is a social distancing sport. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a long way, right? Like not in the dugout, it's not. That's true. Well, that's true. <laughs> Even I, I love going to professional baseball games. And that's one thing I think I said to you, uh, you guys, like, I've really wanted to go and like have a Chicago dog and just like, but I don't want anyone for like 50 yards around right. me. Like I just want to I want a whole section, right? Yeah. And then and someone just to deliver hot dogs and beer to me with a mask on. Um, and that's not going to happen. You know, but go ahead. No, I was, I didn't know. I go ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I think I was done. It's okay. Oh. I, I'll oh, just I was sit say, here quietly and think about hot dogs. Just, uh, <laughs> specifically Chicago style. Um, man, I just cannot emphasize enough. And this is, this is what I'm telling patients. This is what I'm telling friends. If you are leaving your house, wear a mask, Right. You need, if you're going to the store, wear a mask. If you're going to the grocery store, the liquor store, Walmart, Target, like if you're leaving your house, wear a mask. Now, possible exceptions are if you are doing an outdoor activity with members of your household and you can maintain a safe distance from people from another household, then like it would be acceptable not to have your mask on then. But otherwise, you know, you need to have your mask on. Um, I mean, Andy, I went over to your house briefly last night to take care of something, and you, we sat on the or stood on the porch for 15 minutes chatting, and both of us had masks on, right? And we right. and we were like 10 feet apart, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Scott, uh, Scott, as he was leaving, got to his car, and he was parked three cars deep, and and then he took his mask off, and so we shouted across the yard without yeah. masks. <laughs> so, just wear wear a mask and wash your hands, and for the love, if you're sick, please stay home. Yeah. Okay. So I know someone whose colleague had to, has to go on quarantine for two weeks because their parents, uh, they were around their parents who have now tested positive. And so in between the time that they were exposed or no, in between the time they were tested and when they got results, right? So in that 72 hour period, three, four day period, they, they, they were went out and freaking partied. They were symptomatic. They're like, ah, I feel kind of sick. I should get tested. So they got tested, but didn't stay home. They went to like big family, they went to church, um, to like an event there. And then they had like a big gender reveal party with all their family. And and then the like, next day found out they're positive. So they call their family and be like, hey guys, sorry, we have COVID. I'm sorry, we hung out with you yesterday. And so like now all of their family and extended family all have to go get tested and stay home and i was like come on like it's explicitly in the guidelines to not do that right and that's how pandemics work like where have you been (laughs) and that's a real and that's a really good point to make right like if you if you get swabbed for coronavirus whether you are symptomatic or not now particularly if you are symptomatic but even if you're not symptomatic if you get swabbed because you have enough of a known that like if you have enough of an exposure risk that you need to be tested you need to not like you need to stay home right you should consider yourself to have coronavirus until the test comes back and says that you don't and even if you don't you were sick i don't want i don't want coronavirus i also don't want like a cold right like a cold sucks i mean it's not as and not a cold in the summertime oh that's the worst yeah having a fever when it's hot out blue it's a weird your body's not built for that uh and it's way safer than COVID. so all right well 
I guess uh, tune in next week to see, <laughs> see what we know. What happens next? Is there? Um, I was thinking about it. Is there an election coming up? I feel like there's there an is an election on the horizon. On the horizon. For some reason, June thirtieth is on my brain, and I just June thirtieth. <laughs> It is my sister's birthday and also ah. an election. That's right, June 30th. So a little, a week and a half from today is the Oklahoma primary election. Listeners, I hope that you are aware of this. If not, if you're a new listener, you just moved here from somewhere that didn't have elections. What an exciting time for you. Thanks for joining us. I would like to talk to you and find out how you found out about our podcast first. But also, please don't, for, uh, don't uh, forget to vote. There are... Three Where ways. would they have moved from? I don't. I don't know. I mean, even places that have sham elections, even freaking Putin gets elected, right? It's like fake, but there's still elections. I was gonna name several countries, and I realized I didn't know their status of their democracy, so I didn't name anybody. Right? I was. <laughs> I'm not sure. Somewhere <laughs> else. Somewhere else. There are plenty of plenty of authoritarian states out there that don't have real elections. Um, also, they are not listening to Let's Pod This. No, no one like comes to America and is like, "I'm so glad I'm here." Look at this—a a local podcast about Oklahoma politics. I will listen to that. I will tune in. You don't but, know. We have some downloads in Canada. Well, but Canada has elections. That's true. I've not seen any news about Trudeau in a minute. Is he doing okay? Uh, he actually suffered a major international embarrassment. Um, he's been uh, he's been vying pretty hard for the last few years to get Canada a seat on the UN Security Council and lobbying pretty hard for it, and they didn't get it. Oh, that is embarrassing. Yeah, I believe it went to Finland. <laughs> That's even more embarrassing. <laughs> oh, sorry, JT. All right. Um, so, yes, back to the election that we're actually having here in Oklahoma on June 30th. You can vote three ways there's three of us let's each divide it up i'll take absentee voting okay. bailey do you want to do early voting i sure can and scott you do in-person day of voting sure. so you can vote absentee right now today from the the comfort and courtesy of your own home it is not too late to you have to request your absentee ballot if you haven't already you have to request it by june 23rd which is one week so you've got uh four days from today so you can do it over the weekend go to ok.gov slash elections click on all the stuff that says absentee voter it's really easy you can request By it on five o'clock five o'clock on the 23rd they will mail you a ballot i made videos about how to request it if you're not sure look up let's fix this on youtube there's videos on there go to our facebook page there's also a video about how to fill out your ballot well I mean, you color in the box. That's pretty easy. But then how to package the ballots in that envelope and that envelope and the other envelope and then either notarize it or put your ID with it in the other envelope and then you stamp it and you mail it. You can do it. Um, you can you can sign up to vote absentee for one election or for all the elections for the rest of the year, which in this year is definitely recommended. I recommend you do it regardless. But Because once uh, you're signed up, you're signed up for the rest of the year. That's right. You can do it. And so you, you'd be already set up for November. Um, there have been over 100,000 absentee ballots requested for this election, which is like five times higher than normal. Um, that's very exciting. Um, people are trying to stay safe, trying to vote. Super safe. 
um, both like from a biological standpoint and from an election fraud standpoint. Um, so vote by mail, stay at home, super easy. It'll come right to you. If you don't have a copy of your ID and you need a notary to notarize your ballot, you can go to any bank, any credit union. You can do the drive through. You can also hit me up. I'm a notary. I'll do it. Uh, any tag agency will do it. Um, but if you, we can do it like Scott and I did where you just hand it out your door. You don't, we can both wear masks and you can hand it around the storm door. So I don't have to interact. I'll wear gloves and sanitize stuff. We can make it happen. So there's, there's no and excuse. It's free, no charge, no charge, no charge. I mean, you got to live nearby for me to go do it, but we can meet up or go to a bank near you. That's easier. Um, and do it that way. So voted by mail is your first option. You can do it today. My ballot is filled out, signed, sealed, ready to deliver downstairs. I'm going to take it to the post office when we get done recording today. Okay, so that's your first option. Early voting is your next option. Bailey, take it away. Yes. Um, can people see me or are we just... No, we're just going to do audio today. Okay, cool. So the second way that you can vote is voting early. So let's say election day, you have a busy day at work or your kids have a bunch of stuff going on and you just don't have the time to make it to your polling place. You can go to your county election board. And for those who live in Oklahoma County, it's right there off of 42nd and Lincoln. So down the street from the Capitol um, in between the hours of 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Next Thursday, June 25th, next Friday, June 26th. And then between 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday, June 27th, you can go there and vote early. Just remember to bring um, a federally issued ID or a state issued ID that has a picture of you on it. Or you can bring the voter registration card that they mail to you um, with you as identification. Um, unfortunately, if you're a college student that college ID is not gonna work. So make sure that you request and you can call the Oklahoma um, election board and ask them <laughs> to mail you a new voter registration card. So ask them for that card if you don't have um, a license or a passport card or a tribal ID or a hunting permit, whatever, um, anything medical. that government, huh? Medical marijuana card. Medical marijuana card. It just has to be a state or federally issued ID that has a picture of you on it. Or I learned today because I am trained to be a poll worker now. Um, you can use, the, if you have the app for um, the Oklahoma driver's license app, it's called oh, the, yeah. um, what is it called? It I, had the, called I had the beta version and then they pulled out a beta and I haven't got the new version yet. Ah, well, if you have the OK Mobile ID app, from the Oklahoma Department of Public Safety. You can pull that up on your phone and you hit a little button um, that says press certify to show the seal. And you show that seal and that counts as um, showing ID. So there's a few different ways. If you don't have an ID, don't feel like you have to turn around and go home. Ask for a provisional ballot because everybody has a chance to vote. Because what they'll do is they'll just hold your ballot until they do all the research to make sure that um, your ballot is valid and then it'll be counted into the tally. So 
um, bring those IDs with you even when you early vote. So Bailey, remember, did you mention that you can also use your voter registration card? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's the easiest way and it's free. And it, so call the county election board now this week and say, hey, can you mail me another voter registration card? Because they will mail that to you for free. That's right. All right. Uh, so that's, we covered absentee voting. We covered early voting, also known as in-person absentee, which is weird. But anyway, yeah. uh, Scott, there's still the option to vote traditionally on election day. Yeah. You know, if you're uh, playing it fast and loose with your health and the health of others and you want to go vote in person on election day, you can do that. Um, you know, and I'm going to I'll give you my my how to show up and vote spiel, but I'm going to add um, for purposes of this year. If you would please, please, please wear a mask, please wear a mask, please wear a mask. If you're going to vote in person, please also uh, sanitize your hands right after you get out of the car. Um, you and when you go to the poll. Every um, person who's working the polls has to wear a mask and there will be sanitizer there, but it's also great to bring your own. Beautiful. So, um, you can, in fact, use your own pen. They have pens that they can supply. Uh, but again, to try and make sure that we keep everything as sanitary as possible, if you can bring your own pen, that would be great. So in order to vote in person first, you have to know where your polling place is. Um, I think if you're listening to this show, you probably know where your polling place is. But in the event that you don't, you can find it super easy. You can just go to this website called Google and you can Google Oklahoma State Election Board. And that is going to take you to the website for the Oklahoma State Election Board. When you get to that website, you just scroll down and on the left-hand side, there is a section called Quick Links. You click on the, under the Quick Links, there's a, a, a link to the OK Voter Portal, which is a super, super cool online tool that they have. You click on Oklahoma Voter Portal Access. You will type in your last name, and I'm doing this in real time just to prove to you that it works. You type in your first name, your last name, your date of birth, and click a button that says find me. Uh, when you get that, you can look in, uh, you're taken to your voter profile. It has your voter ID number, your precinct, your party affiliation, and you can locate your polling place. You can look at the address for your county election board. You can view a sample ballot. You can also request absentee ballots. So you'd find the location of your polling place and then you would uh, know that on June 30th, you need to go to your polling place to cast your ballot. Bailey, polling place is open at 7, right? Is it 7 a.m.? 7 a.m. 7 to 7, 7 p.m. And 7, so when you, if 7. you get there at 7 p.m., we cannot turn you away. Do not get there at 7 01 because we have to turn you away. And we can't give you a ticket to get in line. But if you get there at 7 p.m., we have to let you in line to vote. And so, that doesn't mean in the pre, that does not mean in the polling place, Bailey. That means in the line to get in the polling place by 7 p.m., right? Yes. Because uh, one of the uh, election, uh, the poll workers have to give you a ticket to make sure that you were in line by the time um, the official phones for Oklahoma State Election Board says seven o'clock. So when that says seven o'clock and you're in line, you'll get a red ticket. So. Uh, so then you'll go inside, you'll be given your ballot um, and you will vote in all the races that you would like to cast a, cast a vote in. You do not 
if there is a if there is a race that you don't feel comfortable voting for, like you don't know anything about the candidates, or you don't have strong opinions, or you didn't have time to do your research, and maybe you just didn't know this wasn't going to be on the ballot, you don't have to vote for everything, right? Um, don't think that your ballot is going to be like invalidated if you don't, you know, know who you want to vote for in maybe a race that's a little bit more obscure. Um, vote for all the races that you feel comfortable with. But take that time to look at that sample ballot at the website Scott gave because you have the opportunity now to see what exactly is going to be on your ballot. So you have time to do your Google search, talk to people, do your research, because if you don't have to leave it blank, you don't want to leave it blank. You want to be able to weigh in on everything that you possibly can. So make okay. an informed decision and do that research. If you don't want your voice to count 100%, it doesn't have to, but don't you want your voice to count 100%? Right, right. You want to wield as much civic authority as you possibly can? Absolutely. I I know I do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Bailey, you you did the poll worker training, right? Yes. You're going to be you're going to be out there serving the people uh, as a poll worker. How do you feel like it's going to go? Um, because I'm, I'm interesting <laughs> because the Oklahoma election board is pretty overwhelmed right now. Um, the person who was doing our training said that this primary election almost feels at the volume of the general election, yeah, for many of the county election boards. And so they're getting lots of high volumes of calls, a lot of people needing information. And then they're trying to balance um, CDC guidelines um, on how to set up the polling places, right? Um, one of the things that was really interesting that they just found out this week. Um, so if you were trained as a poll worker before this week, this is new information for you. Um, but normally, if you're you check that driver's license, if you're going to bring your driver's license or that hunting license or whatever it is, check that expiration date, because if your license expires, typically. They can't count that as a valid ID, um, but because of covid, um, there's been an extension um, to where if your license expired. Um, after February 15th. So anytime between February 15th and now, you can still use that license as a valid ID because of all the closures and things that have been happening. Hmm. So don't feel like you have to pay 30 bucks or how much it costs to go get a brand new ID to vote and your license expired March 30th. You can use that. And if your poll worker tells you that's not valid, there should be a sign that says it is and point to that or call the election board and said, hey, I was told this. Can you confirm for the poll worker so I can get my ballot? So um, they are doing the best they can as quickly as they can to um, keep people safe. So um, all of the poll workers will be wiping down the pens after each use. Um, we'll have sanitary wipes and sprays to wipe down surfaces. Um, but if you can absentee vote um, and also early vote so that way you won't have to worry about that. But if you have to vote on Election Day, 
Um, they're doing the best that they can to maintain social distancing guidelines and keeping people um, safe and sanitized in the locations. So, Y'all remember when you were kids and you had to take a utility bill to school to prove your address that you were in the right school district? Y'all had to do that? I, that was- I, I didn't have a utility bill, but I assume my parents did. I think you still have to. Do you still have to do that? That's weird, man. I don't know. That's the only I mean, way to prove where you live. Well, like, so uh, I don't know. I mean, my kids are in um, every year at enrollment. We had to take. I had to get uh, yeah a water or electric bill from my parents and take it to right. school. Who? I don't know. Are they expecting that people are just like driving in from other places? It seems. I don't know, man. Like to bring someone to school every day is a big headache for parents who live near the school. It's not like people are, by and large, like shipping them around the state. But also, I had an update on uh, Let's Pod This International Edition. Uh, Canada lost. There were two UN Security Council seats available. Uh, Canada, Canada lost to Norway and Ireland. Uh, Norway got 130 votes to be on the Security Council. Ireland 128, and Canada uh, 108. And apparently, this is quite the humiliation for Prime Minister. Justin and what, what what's the hate for? So so I guess the last time Canada was on the Security Council was in 2000. And I guess like, I mean, obviously it's a big deal to have a seat on the Security Council. And I guess uh, Norway and uh, Ireland, among some other countries, have been working. Like they've been like greasing the skids and like lobbying, like trying to justify that they deserve a seat on the Security Council for like 15 years. And Canada's really only been doing it for like since 2015 or 16. So they were behind the eight ball. But apparently it, it's a like they look at whether or not they look at whether or not they are contributing the, the re- required percentage of GDP for like defense and peacekeeping missions. They look at how many troops um, they're sending around the world for like peacekeeping missions um, they look at like what they're doing in terms of uh, like foreign aid. Like they look at all these kinds of kinds of things to kind of make the case that like you deserve a, a seat on the Security Council. And I guess uh, Canada, my beloved Canadian friends, didn't they didn't make the cut this time. I, on a related international note, I will tell you, I'm looking at our stats. In the past 90 days, we've had 13 downloads in Spain. 10 in the UK, four in Canada, four in Mexico, four in Uruguay, three in Ireland, one in Australia, France, Germany, Indonesia, Iran, Australia, France, Germany, and, and Japan. Yeah. So we need we need an international edition. We do. <laughs> I I know who the Iranian person is. I don't know the rest though. So um, it's probably just how things got routed. All right. Well, um, as we uh, wrap up. I know we said we're going to talk about interim studies today, but we're going to push that to next week because um, there's not enough time left today. And it's, that's an evergreen topic for us to talk about. Um, Plus it gives us more time, more time to prepare, but I do want to end on a note about our annual predictorama trivia game that we do each year. Uh, This year was a bit special, right? So we had a fairly low participation rate in the game itself which turns out to be okay because none of the bills that we had actually passed due to the COVID situation. Um, sadly, House Bill 2994 by Representative Grego 
which would have legally defined milk as milk and milk products of a cow, goat, or other hooved mammal, did not make it. Um, nor did the other 19 or so bills um, that we had out there for um, your predictive fun. When it comes down to the tiebreaker, uh, oddly enough, Scott and I both guessed relatively high numbers in the four to 500 range. Um, and it was really close. It came down to um, to two people. Scott, I want to say you guessed there would be 423 bills that were signed into law. I guessed 287. It, it was under 200, I think, altogether. But we it had two... Not a, not a big year for bills. Not a big year, no. Um, so we only had two folks. The two lowest were 87 and 45. So I guess uh, I think the 87 one is closest, and that would have been James Craig, I believe, is who that person is that uh, responded. So, James, if you're listening, congratulations on that. I think we should um, we should make them both a both winners. Don't you guys? I think it, there's only it was a very low participation. It's really the only the two of you. So um, let's uh, James and the other person uh, is named T. Elmore. So I will email you both uh, here in the next week and get your mailing addresses, and we'll send you a prize pack of some "Let's Fix This" swag. Um, and uh, congratulations on your win in a very odd year. We'll come back next year in 2021. Well, gosh, who knows what's going to happen in, right. in February, right? Like we could still have the same weird. I'm not going to predict what's going to happen two weeks from to now. From now. Right, right. I'm not going to predict what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Holy moly. All right. Well, on that unpredictable note, let's uh, let's end this episode Bailey, thank you for being here, as always. Thank you, Andy. Scott, thanks for being here, man. Man, I wouldn't miss it. All right, don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Pod This on Apple Podcasts because that helps other people discover us. Don't forget to vote. Tell your friends. You know, Maybe make your own sign and put it in the yard and say, there's an election on June 30th. Please vote. Remind everyone to find a way. Vote by mail. Vote early. Vote in person. Pick one of those. You can't do more than one. That's illegal. But pick one of those and definitely do it. Decisions are made by those who show up, and you've got to show up to vote. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Let's Fix This Okay. Scott is at SC Melson. Bailey is at Bailey M. Perkins. I'm at Andy OKC. Um, you can also send us an email at podcast at Let's Fix This Okay.org. And uh, our podcast is a member of the mostly harmless media network our theme music is called rhino funk and is by artist so down let's fix this as a non-partisan non-profit organization who strives to educate and equip all oklahomans to engage the government we encourage you to get involved any way you can and as i said just a minute ago decisions are made by those who show up have a great week